0: Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about the gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Good morning. morning. Listen, I'm Italian, so when we talk about gatherings, I'm thinking family reunion. I come from this Italian, like you think of a big fat Greek wedding with meatballs and spaghetti. Yes, I love the gathering. So I could join this church. I'll tell you that right now. I could join this church because when people shake my hand and when I eat duck donuts and when I think about friendship and I experience the presence of God, that's a place I want to be. So I wish I lived closer to you all, but I love what God is doing at the gathering. Look around you. What, look back look at the person next to you and say, man, you look good today. Whether you mean it or not, just just say it. Hey, Amen. Somebody just had a promise happen for their marriage career. It's called investing in their emotional bank account. Well, I'm happy to be with you this morning. As Matt said, I have been this silent partner in your journey. Been praying for you. Been sewing into Matt and Shanna just in friendship and love and support. Really, when he said, "I'm," you said something to the fact that I was responsible or something. No way. You guys are the one that made the gathering happen. So give yourselves a round of applause. Amen. And uh, but I'm a silent partner. Honored to be with you. Listen, you're part of a big family. It's called the Assemblies of God. But you're part of a bigger family. It's called the Kingdom of God. And in our, in our movement, the Assemblies of God, we're trying to do our part to fill heaven. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure that every person, we saturate the state of with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why you're here in Marysville. In fact, you're part of a big family. Let me show you what happened in the last year. You guys were planted in 2021, right? So we have a slide here from the last year. We started 20 new churches all across Ohio in the last year. Isn't that pretty cool? And I wanted you to taste of the variety of your family. Like two of them are suburban, two, four were international churches, seven were city urban churches, and seven were rural and small community churches. Isn't that a pretty cool uh, cross-section of variety? And take a look at this next slide here. It kind of shows you like how did these expressions of church come forth? Seven of those expressions were just traditional churches like we're doing today, gathering on Sunday morning. Eleven of those churches were, are what I call the New Testament version of the Yano Family Reunion. They're called Dinner Church, where we, just, we worship and we disciple people around tables. Come on now. Jesus, food, and people. That's what heaven's going to be. That's like our warm-up for heaven right there. So we planted 11 dinner churches, and what we're finding out is these churches do really well in communities where people just aren't going to walk to a building. Even though you've got duck donuts, there are still people in this community that might not come to a church building, but they will come to your house. Are you hearing me? And so we're going to talk more about we are church, not this is church. We'll talk about that today. But we got those dinner churches going on. And then we have two what I call missional community style churches. They're these hubs. And if you think of your small groups really being these micro church settings. Where the body of Christ is ministering to each other. But you're also living on mission with Jesus. All right, I'm getting into my sermon here. And what you do on Sunday, you celebrate. And you get fueled up. It's like eating donuts before you preach. It's like, yes. Like, I was kind of tired this morning, but I ate that duck donut, and I'm feeling the energy of the Holy Spirit. I might not get done till I don't know, what time today? <laughs> I brought my lovely wife with me today. This is Paris. Waved it them, Paris, and my beauty. And uh, we've been together in ministry for 30, I don't know, 8 years, 30, I don't know, ever since we met. And Paris is being used strategically in this season of ministry to mobilize the church To care for the orphans, to care for vulnerable children, and I am so excited to tell you that there's churches rising up all around the state of Ohio, and the people leading the way are the lead pastors. They're becoming foster families and they're adopting children, and so that ministry is called Father's Heart. If you ever want to talk to her about Father's Heart, she'd be more than willing to talk to you about how you can support families that are at risk, kids that are vulnerable, and foster families, and so. Just wanted to share a little bit about us. Now let me show you our family here. We have a family of eight. That's probably more because some of them are married. That's my multicultural, multi-ethnic family that looks like heaven on earth. And so we have six kids. We've adopted three of them. We got two grandkids. And um, boy, when we eat, we have some really good food. I mean, imagine imagine homemade lasagna barbecue ribs slathering with barbecue sauce and Puerto Rican rice all at the same table. Oh, it's like heaven on earth. Okay, so I want to share God's word with you this morning. I just want to introduce all of that. We're going to get into the scriptures and just want to be a blessing. So let's pray. Can we pray together? Thank you, Lord, for your presence that is so real in this place because Your people are here together to lift up your name. A choir of a few hundred for an audience of one. Thank you, Lord, that we experienced your presence as we called on the name of Jesus in worship and prayer. And now as we proclaim the word of God, the anointed, spoken word of God that comes from your holy scriptures, I pray, stir up our hearts to dive deep into your word and to become like Jesus. In your name I pray. If you agree, say amen. Amen. And man, I want to share with you a message this morning called Meet Me at the Well. It's out of John chapter 4. Before I get there, I want to kind of set this thing up. How many of you remember when you were young? Of course, some of you are young, but I'm, I'm a little elderly. And I remember when I was young and still had hair on my head, before I had facial hair. And we would always, every summer, we'd go down to the woods and hang out around the creek. And we would play at this creek, we would swim in the creek, we would, we would uh, have little uh, games that we would do like army games throwing rocks at people and stuff like that and just hang out at the creek bed. And we always came home muddy because something about that creek, first of all it smelled like dirty tennis shoes after someone had played two hours of basketball and took them off. You know the smell I'm talking about? Yeah, that was that creek smell. It was just this stagnant type of water. And it was always muddy, so you always came home dirty and muddy, and I always got yelled at. And I noticed in the summertime, the creek was hot. In the wintertime, the creek was cold, sometimes frozen over. But that was our place to hang out. And then one day, I moved to Florida, and I was going to college in Florida, and we went, and we hung out at this place called the Peace River. And the Peace River was just so unique because it was what they call a natural spring-fed river. So the water came up from a source deep within below the surface of the river. And and, and it was so cool because the water was crystal clear. Every time you got in, it it was crystal clear. It was teeming with light. There were fish, and we would swim with a manatee. Have you ever swam with a manatee before? I'm not talking about a man with teeth. I'm talking about a man teeth. And we would hang out. And we would swim in this thing and snorkel. And the water was always the same temperature. It didn't matter whether it was 40 degrees in Florida in February or 90 degrees in Florida in August. The water was always the same temperature, a refreshing 70 degrees. Yeah, I know some of you are scared of that right now. What I want you to understand is, there's a difference between these two experiences. The difference is the source. You see, the creek bed, the source of the creek bed came from the exterior uh, environment of rain and the elements and the climate. But the, the crystal spring of the Peace River, that source came from something deep within. And it was never affected by the outside. It was a spring of living water. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt yourself going to a place that you thought was a deep spring only to find out that it was a shallow creek? You ever been there? I mean, let me chase after something that was advertised as enhancing your life only to find out that it didn't deliver. How about that? I don't know what you, but many times I've seen that vacation package on the Internet. And they promised the world for a very cheap price. And they got this beautiful mountain cabin, and you're seeing this beautiful cabin up in the mountains, only to show up and find out it's nothing but a shack in the middle of the woods on a hill. (laughs) It was a manipulation of reality. Have you ever offered, how how many, I hope you didn't, don't raise your hand if you did. But it got involved in that quick, quick make money uh, scheme when they were talking about Bitcoin and, and all this stuff going on, people investing money like crazy, I'm gonna give me some Bitcoin. I couldn't even define Bitcoin, so I'm like, I'm staying away from that. Only to find out that it was short-lived, the market crashed and you lost a lot. Or maybe it's a relationship where he said, this is the one. Like you met the person for the first time, you knew you were gonna marry that person, And then you got into your first conflict, and you realized they were not exactly the one. You you thought you were investing in this river of life, only to find out it was a dried-up creek bed. And so the point that I really want to make today is that when our source comes from the outside, when our source of trying to... thrive and trying to find abundant living, trying to find the American dream, when it's all about what's going on on the outside, then you will at some point become unsatisfied and slip into what I call survival mode, just trying to get by. How many of you have ever had a conversation with one of your friends say, how you doing? I'm just trying to get by. I, I used to minister in the inner city and we'd ask these guys how they're doing their attitude was, I'm just staying out the way. Like, that's no way to live. But when your source is deep, and it's a deep spiritual well, that's what I want to talk about today. How to, how to survive, not just survive, but to thrive. And so let's turn to John chapter 4. We're going to jump into this, and uh, i, I got to um, work my way through this, talk about three wells that God wants to invest into our lives. He wants us to drink from deeply. We're going to talk about this woman at the well of Samaria. That Jesus meets. It's a very familiar passage, but I want to read it from a different context, a different point of view. The Bible said Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Had to go through Samaria on the way. I'm glad that Jesus goes out of his way to interrupt our lives. I am so glad he went through Samaria, because I'll be honest with you, unless you're a Jewish person with Jewish roots, every one of you. Would have been missed out on the opportunity if he hadn't gone through Samaria. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came and draw, to draw water. Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Now the woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that you were speaking to, you would have asked him for a drink, and I would have given you living water. I want to follow that theme right now, and I want to talk to you about three wills that will help you to thrive and it's really about three relationships. In fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to put them up on the board here. I'm not much of a person that draws or, or prints, so you may not be able to understand my drawing or my writing, so I don't know why I'm doing this, but I do want to try this. And three key relationships that will cause you to thrive. I'm going to put the word R for... Thank you for the feedback. Appreciate that. The first relationship we're going to talk about is, is drinking from the well, spiritual intimacy. And this is going to talk about our relationship with god the second one we're going to talk about is drinking from drinking from the well um this is our up relationship the second one we're going to talk about is drinking from the well of discipleship and this has to do with our relationship with the church and with the church here i go i'm writing sloppy can you read that don't worry it's, it's really nice in my mind the next one is what i call the the drinking from the well of mission And this has to do with our relationship with the world that we live in so most people that go to church i'm going to assume you're here for a reason most people that go to church have at least two of these areas that they they know they need to develop in but they don't realize that if you don't pay attention to all three of these relationships the other ones are going to feel the effect I mean, let me, let me give you a perfect example. How many of you ever just had a bad day? You had a bad, you I the only person that has bad days. You, you had a bad day at work, and your out relationship wasn't going too well because your boss was getting on your last nerve, and the last thing you wanted to do was tell him about Jesus. You want to send him to Jesus... But you don't want to tell them about you. So you had a bad day. You come home and all of a sudden, uh, let's talk about church as well as your family. Your family starts to want to talk to you. And your wife wants to have a conversation. And you're avoiding your wife because, like, I don't want to talk to nobody. And your wife just keeps poking, poking. Hey, hey, hey. I've been home all day long with these kids. And I want to talk. And you're like, I don't want to talk about I had a bad day. See, now this relationship is starting to hurt. And then your wife says, well, you better go pray. Because I don't like what I see. Now this one's hurt because you're like, I ain't talking to you either, God. Because I know if I talk to you, I'm going to have to fix this and I'm going to have to deal with this. Three relationships. Let's talk about the first one. We're going to hit these really quick. The first one is the woman at the well. Three people. There were three groups of people that showed up at that well. So I want you to taste and see that the well that day that we were talking about is not just a physical well. It symbolized a thriving community of people. The well was the place where everyone went to gather to get refreshing for the water that they needed in order to survive in life. So so God wants us to thrive, not just survive. And so she went to the well that day, the Bible says, and she didn't expect to receive what she received. She was actually going to that well, trying to ignore people, hide from people, and just, let me just get by today. Let me just survive today. But Jesus shows up. And the first point I want you to understand is that when you're at the well of intimacy, this is kind of where we've been this morning, you're going to experience the wholeness of Jesus in every area of your life. Every area is going to be affected when you drink from the well of intimacy. So here's the deal. This lady shows up to a well that's supposed to be a place of thriving, but she was not in a position to thrive. Wow. Wow. That's got to be pretty bad. Like you're sitting at the well in the presence of the wellspring of life. But you don't notice it. And she almost missed it, but Jesus had to interrupt her world. And, And the reason that she almost missed it, the reason that she was failing to thrive, is because there was so much brokenness and there was so much dirt in her well that she couldn't taste of the spring that was trying to bubble up. And So Jesus rocks her world. Like, he shows up as a snapshot of all the pain in her life. You say, what are you talking about? Well, let's take this thing one step at a time. First of all, she's a female. He's a male. <laughs> male. She had a lot of male pain in her life. Relationship pain. Now, I'm not dogging the men or, or, or the women in this world. I'm just telling you sometimes your relationships get broken. She had five husbands, we come to find out. And she was having an affair with another one. Sounds to me like she's looking for love in all the wrong places. She's not going to write a book anytime soon on marriage. And Jesus shows up as a male. Wow. The second thing he showed, she's a Samaritan. And the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They they despised each other so much so, if you study the history, that the, the Jews would avoid even going through that side of town. I'm telling you, I've lived on that side of town, and I've seen the people that don't want to come through. So imagine what she felt like. Here's a Jew that's a male, so he represents all the pain in my life. And, And Jesus shows up and says, give me a drink of water. She says, how dare you? How dare you ask me for a drink of water? When I look at you, all I see is a reminder of the pain in my life and how how I'm dried up. I'm a dried up creek bed. And Jesus said, "If if you look deep enough, honey, and you drink deeply, you'll realize that life is about to come upon you and life to the fullest. But in order to experience the deeper intimacy with Christ, we need to remove the blockages of our past and our prejudices and our pain. I remember one day, we got a phone call to our house and they told us that our friend, now this is a friend who was he was one of, probably one of the best athletes I'd ever met. The man was now in his 70s, and he was still working full-time building houses, remodeling kitchens, and he and worked out every single day, ate healthy, looked nice, dressed nice. He was the guy that everybody wanted to be like. I was like, when I'm your age, I want to be like you. And I got the phone call They he had a heart attack. It's like, how did he have a heart attack? There's no hope for me what had happened is over the years, see it wasn't that he ate bad all the time or he smoked because he didn't smoke it, it just over the years because plaque had built up in his arteries, he had four of his major arteries were 90% blocked and he started getting shortness of breath, he didn't have any energy, he would sleep in late, he would get up and he would be dizzy and all these things were happening, he had pain in his chest. And the doctor went and did surgery, open-heart surgery. You know what he did? He reamed out those arteries. And when he reamed out those arteries and even did some bypasses, that heart was still beating. The blood was always flowing in his body, but it wasn't getting to where it needed to go because there was a blockage. I want you to know something. If Jesus is your Savior today, the wellspring is available. But he's waiting for us to dig the well, to get the dirt, to remove the stuff of our past, to remove the pain of our lives, to remove the distractions, and to let the water flow, the water of his presence, to drink deeply of his presence. See, my friend, there's a a purpose to our life that's bigger than our past or our pain. Let me me throw up here a quick story. this may kind of shake us into where we're going. This is a young lady. Her name is Gianna Jensen. Did you ever hear of Gianna Jensen? Yes. Amazing person. I think we got a picture if you could throw it up. She was born as a result of a failed abortion attempt. Her mom had, had gone through an abortion and she was going to give birth to a dead fetus. Lo and behold, Gianna came out breathing and alive. And when she came out breathing in alive, it was such a statement that the abortionist was required to sign her birth certificate. Come on, that, that's pretty good. But Gianna wasn't expected to live. She wasn't even wanted. Her mom didn't want her. This world didn't want her. But God wanted her. And she came out having victory over death, which means every day that she lives, she lives with life as a gift to her. The doctor says you're going to have all these kind of disabilities. You're going to have cerebral palsy, which she does have. You'll never walk again. You'll never lift your head. You'll you'll never overcome your disabilities. Well, she's done every single one of those. She travels this nation. She speaks to Congress. She's spoken to presidents. She's spoken to kings. And she gets in their presence. And she stands up defiantly against those that are proposing that, that abortion is the right of a woman. And she shouts, what about my rights? Amen. And here's what she says. This is a quote from her. She says, I am God's princess. And I will not allow my death sentence to stop me from living a life of fullness in him. My whole intent in living is to wake up every morning and to make God smile. This is what God wants to give us this morning. John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. God wants you to drink deeply of his presence today. He doesn't want you to just get by or survive. He wants you to thrive. Drinking from the well of intimacy. Now, let's go to the second group of people who showed up in verse 27. The well of discipleship. Discovering the heart of God for his church. It says, just then Jesus came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had any nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have the kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring in food while we were gone, they said? Jesus explained, Your, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. He drank from the well of discipleship. He goes on to say, you have a saying, verse 35 You're saying between between, there's four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around you, for the fields are already ripe unto harvest. The well of discipleship it forces us to to look deeply into what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What does it mean to be the church? And the amazing thing about it is the disciples almost missed this miracle. They almost missed this miracle. Could you imagine the church missing some of the major miracles of Jesus? Why would they almost miss this miracle? Because Jesus wasn't acting the way they expected him to act. Come on now. He didn't fit into their form. And they were struggling with it. Like, why is he talking to that woman? Doesn't he know her reputation? She's a street woman. And they were so stuck in this self centered approach to church, come on now, and the discipleship that they weren't thriving. They were surviving. Jesus opens their eyes. He says, guys, just pause for a minute. You're so stuck on whether we're going to get arrested or whether we're going to get mugged on this side of town or arrested for talking to this woman or kicked out of the Jewish synagogue because we spoke to a Samaritan. You're so stuck on what might happen on the bad side that you're missing what's about to happen because we're here. Wow, that's a powerful word. They didn't understand what it meant to be a disciple and it meant to be a church. I, I said this earlier. Really, if you were to say, ah, what's a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to drink deeply from that well? I would just say, taking everything about your life and bringing it under obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Shifting from unbelief or indifference to full faith in every area of our lives. Nothing is hidden from God. That's discipleship. And I I think we need to understand, I think we get it here because I've experienced it, that what we're doing today is a part of church, but it's not the definition of church. Come on now. I may get some people mad at me, but I've been struggling with this thing. Like People say, hey, where are you going to church today? And I say, well, I want you to understand, so I'm going to worship with some believers, but I can't go to a place that I am. We are church. And as soon as we grab a hold of that, the amazing thing happens that when you leave this building today, you begin to activate who you really are. Isn't that cool? We are church. I, I got, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wrap this up in time. I gotta tell you a story though, like, okay, so Paris and I, we ministered in the inner city of Youngstown for 26 years, we were there, and then two years we were in the inner city of Tampa and St. Petersburg, and when God called us to the inner city, he sent us there, he sent us to dry places to bring living water, and that's the bottom line. And it was almost like the Lord told me, you can either keep adding water to, to the reservoir of the church that you're a part of, or you can go to a place that really needs water, And be the well. So we went into inner city ministry. We were ministering there for many years, right in the heart of the city. I I gotta set the story up just so you realize where we were at. Like our our church was right like the the police had this thing called the shot spotter, which is some kind of sonar or whatever thing that whenever there's a gunshot anywhere in the city they can pinpoint it within ten feet. Then they can concentrate their controls there so if you take a look at the shot spotter, and they map out all the gunshots in the city and you take the largest concentration and stick your finger in the middle of the bullseye. that's where our church was we were in the middle of this crazy zone not to mention the fact that it was blighted people had moved out nobody wanted to live there businesses didn't want to be there so if you drive down the street you'd see more vacant homes than you saw homes with families and we're living in the middle of this zone, and we're, we're ministering in the middle of this zone, and, and I took this church that we were, we were going we had to relaunch it, because that was dead also. The church had gone through some kind of split that went from 350 people down to five. They asked me to fill the pulpit. our inner-city ministry, we, we ran a nonprofit, we wanted to launch a church. So I filled the pulpit, brought my team, and we launched a church out of that church. We had five people when we started. And the first Sunday, we doubled the attendance. I put that on my ACMR. It was like I had eight people in my family come. So I, I couldn't wait to write that down. Doubled the attendance. We went instantly from a one-culture church to a multi-ethnic church. They were pretty much predominantly African-American church. And my family was pretty much all mixed up. And so now we became a multi-ethnic church. Anyway, so we're in there, we're working, and we're ministering, and they had a prayer meeting, we went to their prayer meeting. I was at their prayer meeting, we were standing in this circle of the prayer meeting, holding hands, and and here's how the prayer meeting pretty much went. Anybody got a prayer request? Yes, yes, I got to hang down on my left hand. My Aunt Mary's in the hospital. And these are all important things, don't get me wrong. But after about five prayer meetings, praying for the same personal needs, I felt that the Lord was saying, help these people drink deeper of what it means to be the church. One day we were in a prayer meeting and I felt the Holy Spirit just tap me on the shoulder and say, stop standing in this circle, looking at each other. So I I, I said what he said to me. They didn't appreciate it very much. I said, look, we're going to stop standing in this circle looking at each other. Nothing's changing as long as all we do is hold hands and look at each other. I said, are we in unity? Yes. Are we a church? Yes. Let's be who we are. We turned the circle around. We were still holding hands when we were looking outward. I said, what do you see now? The first time when we were inward, I said, what do you see? Well, I see Susie. I see Joe. I see Mary. I see Tim. Then I made him turn her outside. I said, what do you see now? I see the north side of Youngstown. I see the east side of Youngstown. I see the west side. I see the south side. I said, yeah. This is how God wants us to operate. In a spirit of unity together as a community. But looking at the lost, the least, and the unlikely. And we began to sow seeds into our community. In fact, we spent really, honestly, that first year, we spent more time outside the building than we spent in the building. We saturated the culture with the presence of the church. Because we knew Jesus is with his church. I don't have time. I'll write a book someday to tell you what God did in that community. That community began to turn around. We began to thrive as a church. We began to grow as a church. We began to become what God called us to be. We began to become an influence in that neighborhood, in that city, to the point where when when I left about five or six years ago, the mayor of Youngstown was running for office. He says, if I get in office, tell me what you want for the South Side Isle. He asked me that question. And when he asked me, I had the plan. We already wrote a plan how to thrive in Youngstown. And that's why I'm going to get to my third point right here. I'm going, to, I'm going to set that up right with that. Let's go to the third point. The well of mission. Multiplying the gospel of Jesus into our community. So not only did he get the disciples to open up their eyes and understand what the church is supposed to be. But then look what happens in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told us everything I ever did. So the Samaritans came to him. They came to the well. The community came to the well. Come on now. And they urged him to stay with them. He stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They said, we no longer believe just because of what the woman said. We've heard for ourselves. We've experienced for ourselves. We know that this man is the savior of the world. Do you realize that's probably one of the first groups of people that probably proclaimed Jesus as savior was not the Jews. It was the Samaritans. Wow. Because they drank From the deep well of the church on mission what was going on here god loves to use the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places to bring about the most unexpected outpouring of his spirit jesus a jewish male helping a samaritan woman with a broken life drink deeply from the well of intimacy experiencing the love and acceptance of the church So much so where it overflowed out of her life and she went to the community and brought the community to Jesus. That's church multiplication in a nutshell. (laughs) Here's what I want you to hear. Although Jesus came to that town that day for this woman, it was never meant to be about this woman digest that for me yes you are valuable to god i am valuable to god but it was never meant for me to drink from the well and hang out there for the rest of my life jesus came for this woman because he knew that she would be a catalyst to a community-wide revival so I gotta tell you something. I'm not I'm way off my notes or something here today, but I gotta tell you. I'm looking at the building blocks, the seeds, Pastor Matt and Shanna. I'm looking at the seeds of the greatest outpouring that Marysville has ever tasted of God's presence. Amen. You are the seed. Praise the Lord. As the worship day comes. I want you to understand that God wants you and I to bring the influence of the kingdom of God everywhere we go. We wrap this up real quick with finishing that story. Where was I at in that story? Okay. Oh, the mayor. So the mayor was running for office. And he comes to me and he says, and the reason he came to me is we were investing in the community. I had gotten those ten people. And my family to start thinking about something bigger than that circle. And we simply went to our neighbors. We went door to door. We began cleaning up the trashy neighborhood. We began interacting with the kids and the teens. We made friends with the drug dealers. We prayed and had prayer meetings not in the building. But walking the streets of our city. Some of the most dangerous streets. We would walk and pray the spirit of God's presence. Don't you think that the power of God is probably best suited not just in a building but in a community I mean when was the, the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit most powerful on, on, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost do you think it was when they were in that building and 150 people were filled with the spirit and the, and the wind came and they spoke in tongues or do you think it was when they ran to the marketplace and 3,000 people were saved I would say it was both that's why when I'm looking at your faces this morning God show me what you're looking at as a community that's going to be transformed because I'm sending good news embodied in the lives of these people everywhere you go everywhere you go one wants to change the culture the mayor I said, look, Pastor. I, he said, "What do you want to do?" And I, I wrote a, a plan. I said, "Look, we're tired of our children having to play on streets where there's gun violence on a regular basis. We're tired of them being around these houses that are boarded up where the drug dealers are doing their business and people are dying in these houses or I'm tired of businesses leaving this this community because there's no safety, there's no proper lighting, and 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 so." Here's what we wanna do, and I laid out the plan. We wanna clean up the neighborhood. We wanna build community gardens. We wanna knock down these houses. We wanna create uh, this ecosystem where the neighbors take responsibility for their neighborhood. We wanna invest in the schools. We, we need police presence. Here's what we're gonna do, and lo and behold, don't you know that mayor got elected. <laughs> he came to me and he said, how much money do you need? I kid you not, and I shot really low. I was like, well, I don't know, 50,000? That summer they invested twenty-five to 50,000 just in street evangelism ministry that we did called Increase the Peace Rallies. But during his career they probably invested over 500,000 to a million dollars in that community. But the church wrote the script. My friend, you did an egg hunt last week. That egg hunt was seed planting Amen. to tell people they have value, they have purpose. It was giving them a drink from the well. But I can't wait for the day where God gives you the pen and a blank canvas with the word marriage bill over it and he says, write the destiny of your community, write the destiny of your school system, write the destiny of your family. I'm giving you the pen because you drank deeply from the well of spiritual intimacy. You understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to call me Lord. And not just Savior. You get that church is not a gathering, it's the people. And I can trust you with my anointing. So write your story. So this morning, I want you to stand with me and we're going to pray. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Matt and we're just going to lift up our hands. Jesus, what would happen? If everybody in this room drank deeply from those wells today, if if we all said, I want more of you, Jesus, and less of me, God. If we said, Lord, I want to love your church, and I want to love other people. I want our our church to be about vulnerable people, about the forgotten, the least, and the lost. I I want our church to love our community, and, and I want our church to love each other. What would happen if we drank from the well? He said, we, we're a church that gathers to go. We gather, we get filled up, we get encouraged, we grow together, and then we go together. Hallelujah. I'm just inviting you, if you want to drink deep from the well of intimacy with Jesus before we go today, just reach out to him as we sing this song. We're going to sing this worship song or if you'll just sing the chorus. If you want to come forward we'll lay hands on you. We'd love to pray for you individually. Sometimes you need someone to stir it up inside of you and Paris and I, Matt and be, and their team would be more than happy just to pray over you and stir up. Stir it up inside of you. In fact the book of Hebrews says let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. So all I ask that you do is begin to create an altar right where you're at. Say, Jesus, show me your glory. I want to drink deeply from your well. If you want to come forward, you come as we sing this song, and then we're going to close it out. Praise you, God. Amen, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.